message is not even that old. So we're going to try to get look together at, at, at uh, some things this morning about maybe challenging you for the greater things in life. Maybe to challenge why you're, how you come to church, how you live your life, how you get up on Monday morning, and how you approach God and how you approach your life. I can think of no better life advice for anybody in this room, whether you're going to be a newlywed, whether you are a newlywed, whether you're a student, whether you're old, whether you're widowed, whether you've uh, been a preacher for 40 years, or whether you're not even yet saved, than to understand why you're here and the purpose of what God has for you, and to realize that you don't have to suffer in your life, that there's something out there more. And that God has something in store for you. God has great things for you. God has a future for you. God has a... And maybe there's something to what we're looking for that we're missing. Sometimes I feel we get together and we just, it's like osmosis. You know, it's so weird. I, I'm preaching and I keep seeing this door. And Dad's behind the door and I keep, he's blocked by you. I keep just wanting to do this so you all can see that Dad's still back there. Look at that. I feel like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And I've got to open it up and say, Hello, neighbor. So, I don't know. That was out of left field, I know. But uh, but that song is really powerful. Because it talks about maybe there's something to how bad you really want God. Maybe there's something on the other side of your reach more than just showing up and hoping for osmosis. You know what osmosis means? It means there's just showing up and hoping that something just seeps into you. Any of you kids in science know about osmosis? Anybody? There's a hope. What is it? Do you know it? Can you say it out loud? Just absorb it by being there. And so I think sometimes we just hope if we just come and sit in church, we're just going to absorb it. We're just going to absorb healing and we're going to get something good out of it. Or maybe sometimes it's like a, it's like a penance for us that we feel like we've done good. That we've earned something from God. If we show up for church, God, I did good this week. And you need to bless me because I showed up for church. That's not showing up for your for your employer on payday and say, I did good, employer, I'm here on payday. <laughs> this is the payday. Sunday morning is the payday. This ain't no work. If this is work, you're missing something. You ain't gonna say it in your heart. You ain't gonna say it in your spirit. You need to reset this morning and you need to fall in love with Jesus Christ again. You need to fall in love again. If dating your wife feels like work, you need to fall in love again. <laughs> if hanging out with your kids feels like work, you need to fall in love with your kids again. But if showing up at church and getting to praise an almighty God and getting touched by the word of God,
And the word, oh, that's it's payday. That's food, that's manna. Y'all can y'all they pay me even in steak or something. I'd be happy. We don't really get paid. But I've heard I've heard some people my wife was just kind of talking one time. She said, maybe we could we I maybe I not we. Maybe she should say, maybe I could do a boutique. I said, honey, you lose money on a boutique. <laughs> it's the payday. It's the payday. This is not work. And I challenge you if you're here today and you're bored or you're tired or you feel just like you're dreading coming every Sunday morning. Come to this altar in a minute. Pour out to Him. And say, Jesus, forgive my heart. I want to fall in love with you again. You can't date somebody out of obligation. You gotta change your heart. So that we can date them. Ain't nowhere where else you wanna be. Where else would we be? The disciples, a bunch of them left him when he started preaching hard. The twelve looked around and he said, You gonna leave me too? And the one, the big mouth, turned and looked at him and said, Where else would we go? Where else would if it gets tired for you being here some, where else would you want to be? Where else do you see blinded eyes open? Where else do you see deaf ears open? Where else do you see deaf people get out of the dirt? Where else do your soul get ministered to? Where else do you get to praise an almighty God? And I know you can praise Him on a... It, how's that song go? In a deer stand and in a bar stool? You can praise Him a lot of places. But there's something about the corporate effect of having all these people together and seeing the power of God unleashed. So anyway, the song says by Brandon Lake, tear the roof off. Tear off the roof. The king is in the house. Tear off the roof. Tear off the thing that's you know what walls do? You know what walls and ceilings do? They hold things in and keep things out. And I believe the walls that have been built in this region, they stopped they stop holding things in a long time ago. They just keep things out. It's time to tear the roof off. It's time to tear the roof off. I'm going to read from the scripture. We're going to read some scripture today. We're going to preach some a little bit. I don't like that word. We'll just give the word. We're going to start in Luke. Gospel Luke. I'm going to read the Passion today. I know Lake and I've been reading a lot. You know, she was my other favorite. Which they're all my favorite. So that earlier. I don't preach out the message nearly enough. That's an awesome translation. Luke 5, verse 17. Some of you all need to... Ingest the word the same as my air burner doodle does. When he was a little puppy, he took it seriously. He literally ate the word of God. <laughs> but he only got the cover. He only got the cover. So every time I see this, I could replace it. 
But the Word's still good. It just covers off. And it reminds me, maybe I should be that hungry for the Word of God. Come on. Maybe I should be chewing on its pages more. Luke 17. Here we go. Luke 5 and 17. Sorry. One day, many Jewish religious leaders known as separated ones. You know any separated ones? They too holy to rub elbows with anybody else? They got it all figured out. They know all the rules, don't they? Yeah, I don't want to touch nothing dirty. You nasty cootie. Separated ones. Along with many religious scholars came from every village of Galilee throughout Judea and even from Jerusalem to hear Jesus teach. He was causing a stir. People wanted to hear about it. There's people out there listening to this service. They don't really want to learn anything. They just want to hear what's going on. <laughs> For those of you out there listening today because you want to hear what's going on, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We, we thank you for, 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 for watching today. And I mean that. <laughs> and the power of the Lord God surged through him, he meaning Jesus, to instantly heal. He's in the house. He's teaching. There's all these people looking to trip him up. And the power of God says, okay, they want to show. <laughs> they want something to talk about. I'm like old Bonnie Ray. Let's give him something to talk about. Let's give him something to talk about. So the power of God instantly surged through him. Now, some men came to Jesus carrying a paraplegic man on a stretcher. Paraplegic. Now, I'm not a medical person, but I think I know what that means. What's that mean, Jenny? It means how many, how many limbs don't work? Paraplegic? Well, see, that's why I asked her. Two don't work. <laughs> And by the fact they're carrying, it's probably his legs, probably. Because if his arms didn't work, he'd just walk, right? So his legs didn't work. He's paraplegic, couldn't be moved. So they're carrying, his buddies are carrying this man on a stretcher. They attempted to bring him past the crowd to set him down in front of Jesus. See, they knew why they're here today. I asked you earlier, do you know why you're here today? See, they're carrying this paraplegic man. That paraplegic man knew why he was in that building. Yes. I don't know how long his buddies had to carry him, but they didn't have an ambulance, and they didn't have an SUV, and they didn't have a nice church bus with a lift. Thank God we do. Yes. But those guys, how many are, Steve, how many bus volunteers would we have? If we had to go, oh, but would that be a hard trip from Colbert? If we had to go somewhere, and carry people to church. But would we? They did. Because they knew why they were there. They knew the importance of that moment. They knew what they were, why they were there. Every step probably hurt their back. You ever carry a 200 pound man? Some of you have. Some of you have. On a stretcher. You want to carry one from Cobra next week? Huh? Sure. I volunteer you. Because you have more experience at it. They were carrying this man.
every step to get to Jesus. They didn't come to church out of obligation. They weren't there just because, maybe. They weren't there seeking osmosis. Maybe I'll get a warm, fuzzy feeling. They weren't there for a psychological message. They weren't there for a pat on the tail. They weren't there to get inspired. They weren't there to feel good about themselves. They were there because their friend had no legs and they needed to see him walk. They needed to see him get up. And I know my, my, my awesome greatest mentor dad, I, I, they're standing dad and I keep preaching. I need to finish this scripture. That's all right. We're good to go. Keep your truck. Hard to sit. They attempted impact to get it past the crowd and sit it down in front of Jesus. But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. Oh, just sit down. I mean, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep reading it, but, but, but I, every time I stop, I'm sitting here thinking about somebody's poor legs are aching. And I don't want you to get distracted. Because I want to be seeker sensitive and make it real easy for you today. I don't want you to have to carry somebody on a stretcher for two miles just to get to Jesus. I want to make it real easy for you. So, let me tell you something the devil likes. I wouldn't even plan on saying this. I just saw this. Spirit, Holy Spirit just quickened me. Those religious people were there in church. But they weren't there on the right mission. And the enemy was actually using them to try to block. The hurting ones to get Jesus. Oh, we're just here watching church just like everyone. They were blocking the eyes to keep people from Jesus. Come on. And so there's this great crowd and they're trying to get through. Could you imagine? You all have been to a Tennessee game or to a concert of some big sorts or like that. Uh, you know, I don't know who's Taylor Swift, but that, that tied in for the, the Chiefs is getting a lot of attention. Oh, Travis Kelsey's getting a lot of attention nowadays. I know him. I don't know this chick he's dating, but apparently she's a big deal. But if you were at one of her shows, I told you this not long ago, apparently her show was so loud it set off a Richter scale. The National Earthquake Center reported an earthquake and come to terms and find out it was just a concert in Seattle, Washington. To me, that condemns the church. I'm not against this lady. I don't know her from Adam. I don't know a song she sings. I don't know a thing about her, so I'm not judging her. But I know if they can get out there and sing her bubblegum Pop-Tart songs and shake the earth. What more should I do for the world that makes my soul That's all Cheer for this girl if you want to. I don't know her. But that much more, ten times more, a thousand times more, should you cheer for the one who saved your soul? And now she may not be. I don't know nothing about her. So don't, don't say, Pastor Pete, say, go. Go watch her. Uh, I don't like the Chiefs, to be honest with you. So I can't recommend the lady. I can't recommend watching Kelsey. Anyway, 
Listen to this. They had no way to bring him inside. There's a hurting world out there trying to get to Jesus. And they blocked the doors. There's a hurting world. They're not functional. That's our problem. We want sinners, but it wouldn't be already functional. If they wasn't functional, they wouldn't be sinners. If they were functional, they wouldn't need it. Of course they're dysfunctional. That's a natural consequence of their condition. And your job is to make them functional. Introduce them to Jesus. Of course they're not functional. They embarrass me. Then just keep blocking them from Jesus. And you can answer to him one day. And he says, Why did you stop the ones I sent? Why would you discourage? It's better, the word says, that you get a giant weight and stick around your neck and throw you in the water than to discourage the poor, hurting young ones trying to get to Jesus. Anyway, that's not even what so the rain was blocked. This is where you and I can come in. The osmosis crowd, the I'll, I'll do stuff when I want to crowd. They'll turn around and go home or they'll just sit out and stay in the crowd. Come on. We could just sit out here and maybe the osmosis. God is everywhere. He is spirit. And so maybe just the osmosis, and I'm not saying God couldn't do that. We've got biblical sort of, well, maybe not. But these young men, or these men, did something pretty unique. They did something pretty risky. They did something that might cost them something. They climbed up on the roof. Could you imagine we're sitting here trying to have church and all of a sudden boom, the ceiling falls in and there's some nuts lowering a guy down in the rope? You know what? If we have to have a thousand soup sales, I pray for the day that happens. If we have to have a thousand soup sales, I pray for the day when they want so much Jesus they'll tear it up that there's holes in the roof. We'll worry about it later. We got contractors here who we'll put it to work. It's time that we stay hungry enough to tear the roof down when we have to to get our miracle. They tore the roof off the place to get to Jesus to get their miracle. Now if I ask you how many need a miracle in your life, some of you wouldn't raise your hand because you're shy or ashamed. But if I asked you in the middle of the night, privately, you would know the truth. Most of us, if not all of us in this room, need something from God. But, what are we willing to do to invest into that? You say, well, grace is grace, and it's, it is grace. But I'm going to read you Three examples in the scripture, there's plenty more. Of times when God said something about the push, something about the reach, something about the desperation of the person who needs the miracle. 
There was something about tearing the roof off that moved Jesus' heart. Where God says, oh, I'll just read it. I, I was supposed to read this and just be quick. Like, it's supposed to be like a minute. And I didn't do a good job of that. Listen to this. Now, tearing the roof off is risky. One, you've done damage to somebody's house. And legally, you're going to have to pay for it. Number two, you've just made all the religious people mad. <laughs> oh, what I'm just worried to death that these religious people see. Oh, we need to watch what we put. We, we better watch. We, we, oh, let them watch. Let them watch. So what God, Jesus called this demonstration, we would call it disruption of service. Out of order, improper disruption. Jesus called it something different. He said, see the demonstration of their faith. Yes. He called it a demonstration of their faith. Yes. Tore the roof off the wall. Tore a hole in the roof. And that's a demonstration of their faith. He saw that. And he said, my friend, your sins are forgiven. Now you got to get a hold of this. I, I don't think, I don't know, I, I don't preach what I think, but there's nothing in the Scripture because we didn't yet have that kind of thing going on in the Bible until Jesus. That God probably wasn't there to get his sins forgiven. Because that concept wasn't there yet. He was there to get them two legs fixed. Yes. But Jesus knew there was a bigger situation that needed to be taken care of. Yes. And sometimes we got to be patient with Jesus and understand that His ways are greater than our ways. He said, my friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Jewish religious leaders and religious scholars whispered objections among themselves. Who does this man think he can speak to such a blasphemy? Only God can forgive sins. Does he think he's God? A little bit. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Why do you argue in your hearts over what I do and think it's blasphemy to say his sins are forgiven? Let me ask you which is easier to prove when I say your sins are forgiven or when I say stand up, carry your stretcher. That's another time he said that, right? Stand up, pick up that thing that you've been enabling you to be dysfunctional. Listen, if God takes you off the cane, throw it away. I'm not saying God will take always do that. Sometimes there's I know there's times that we just have to do what we have to do. I've been on crutches. I know that. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not I'm not criticizing about it. But I'm saying if God does deliver you from that, don't keep your crutches. If God delivers you from addiction, don't keep those phone numbers. If God delivers you, don't keep those contacts. Don't keep those Facebook friends. Don't keep those contacts. Change your phone number and don't call that person back. If God delivers you from something, if God delivers you from gossip, erase all of your friends on Facebook. If you have to get a new profile, get a new profile. If God delivers you from these things, pick up your mat. You can't stay in your mat and stay functional. So he says, pick up your stretcher and walk. Jesus turned to the paraplegic man and said, To prove you all that I, the Son of Man, have the lawful authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you now, stand up, carry your stretcher, go home, for you are healed. In an instant, the man arose right before their eyes. 
He stood, he picked up the stretcher. And he went home, giving God the glory with every step he took. The people were seized with astonishment and dumbfounded over what they just witnessed. And they all praised God, remarking over and over, incredible. What an unbelievable miracle we see today. Let me ask you this question. It's a question you don't know the answer to, and I don't know the answer to, and I'm not saying I know the answer to. It's a hypothetical question, and by that means we just have to think about it. Chew on it. What if the man would have come to that door and turned away? Would God just have osmosisly healed him anyway? Or is it possible he would have spent the rest of his life scripture? Is it possible? Because he wasn't willing to tear the roof off. Tearing the roof off is messy. It's vulnerable. It's scary. It's risky. Even praying that kind of prayer, and I've prayed it. You walk up to somebody, you pray for a miracle right in front of a whole room. It's a risky prayer. You're going out on a limb. Sometimes you will. <laughs> like Bugs Bunny. Sometimes you will. But sometimes you get a home run. Because Jesus, in his omnipotent way, decides to move. But what if we don't ask? What if we come to church on a Sunday seeking a real miracle of God? And I'm not saying you do or don't. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying what if. But we're content just to hang out in the crowd looking for osmosis. And what if God is waiting for you to tear the roof off? What if he's waiting for you to do something radical and go for it? There's another part of that song. Actually, my favorite part of that song that Brandon Lake wrote. Or I guess he wrote it. He sung it. Whoever wrote it. That uh, is actually my favorite part. And it says, it says this. This is the part that I like. Second verse. He says, I didn't come here. And now he's transitioning. Now he's moving on to Mark 5 and he's talking about the woman with the issue. And he says, I didn't come here to hide the crowd. I've got a faith beyond the believing. I didn't come here to hide in the crowd. There's comfort in the crowd. Not criticizing you all, but you are a lot more comfortable than me right now. You say some of you best say I beg the part, I beg to differ. Well then you need to get your heart right. It's a lot more, and I'm not saying something, it's not about microphones or anything. It's just saying when you're invested in something, it's uncomfortable sometimes. When you take a step, when you get out on I'm so proud of you guys on this uh uh the the, the page the uh, refuge and I'm proud of all of you guys, but what they're doing is pretty vulnerable because they're making themselves accountable. They're putting their testimony out there. I always respect people put your testimony out there because you're accountable. If you're not going to put your testimony out there, I, my mind says, I wonder if they're double-minded because it's somebody they don't want to see. I really respect that about you guys because you're saying, I want the world to know. And so you're, by, by definition, 
When you mess up, you're, you're, you're showing yourself up. So it, it makes you accountable. More accountable than most of us. I mean, you know, I've never, I've never really had a bad week got on Facebook, Joe. I'm gonna tell you why I did this week, and I want you to hold me accountable. Maybe I should, but maybe I'm too proud. And so, I really respect that about these people, these guys. You guys are doing that. It's an awesome thing. But, but there's something, you know, about hiding in the crowd that makes us anonymous. It, it makes us. It, you know, even Peter denied Jesus. He, he did it in the crowd. He, he tried to blend in the crowd. There's something about blending in the crowd that can defeat what God has called you to do. And by leaving the crowd, I don't mean run for a microphone. I don't mean run for your glory. But I mean, when you leave the crowd looking for Jesus, when you say Jesus is there and the crowd's here and i got to get to Him, if I have to leave these other jacks, these other jokers back there, then I'm going to leave them. But i got to get to Jesus. In Mark 5, as you know, the little lady, 12 years she bled, and Jesus was on His way to the house of the little girl who was 12 years old. One, her womanhood was killing her. One hadn't yet become a woman. Twelve years. One was a daughter and one was a no-name. One was unclean. One was stinky. One was uh, crude. One was somebody nobody wanted to be around. At that time, it was illegal for her to be around people. She was nasty. Y'all don't realize when y'all say, I... Oh, I want the book. We, we got to follow the book of this, the book of that. <laughs> Y'all women don't want that book. In fact, us men don't want that book either. Y'all ain't going to get your laundry done for about four months out of the month. Because <laughs> at that time, a woman was unclean when she was in her monthly cycle. And I, I hate to be graphic, but this is, we're human. I got a toe too. It ain't the prettiest thing, but it's my toe. It's just human. You got one too. And so. But under the law, when a woman was having her cycle, she was unclean. She couldn't be in the house with the rest of the people. You're out. You can't be in the house. There's a hut over there. You've got to stay in that hut for four days. You can't touch nobody, touch nothing. You can't touch the house. If you accidentally touch the house, then i got to go do all this stuff to get clean because you're nasty. That's what the Bible says. But it says to. Anyway. This woman was nasty. Because she didn't just bleed four days. She bled every day. Yeah. She was anemic. Tired, weak. But she was also nasty. Now I'm not saying she's nasty. The people said she's nasty. And Jesus didn't say she was nasty. But the rules of that time said. She would not be welcome in our church service today. If she came in we would stone her or kick her out. Do you get what I'm saying? This is real. This is reality, this woman's situation. Every day of her life, she couldn't touch a soul. She couldn't interact with a soul. She couldn't even come within six feet of a soul. If anybody had mercy and grace on her, they would have to leave her a gift of food. And she would have to come and get it. She couldn't even take alms. She couldn't even sit here and say, could you give me a quarter? Because she was unclean. And there's some of us in this room, the world has been making us feel unclean. 
But the devil don't want you to hear this next part. You're not meant just to sit in the crowd. You're not meant. And if anybody tells you that your dirtiness, your stinkiness, your cootiness is too big for the blood of Jesus, you bring it to me and see if they have the guts to say it to my face because I don't think they will. Because the blood of Jesus is enough. The blood of Jesus is enough. The blood of Jesus is enough. And so that little lady pushed through. She pushed through. And she just reached as far as she could reach. When's the last time you pushed through all your junk? When's the last time you pushed through your pain? When's the last time you pushed through the doubts in your head? And reached as far as you could reach. Just seeking him that heart. And she just touched the edge of his prayer shower garment. And Jesus walking with all those people pushing and crowding and bumping into him. When I go places like that, my wife, she used to be as a blocker. I can't let her go first. She's little cautious. I go big and I make a hole. And she's learned to be like Walter Payton. She gets behind that little tackle and she goes. And I promise you they get out of the way or they get hit. I'm not kidding. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying that there's a big crowd. I make the hole. Don't you? Gotta make a hole, baby. Is that not true? That's true. She laughs sometimes because I sometimes they go flying. She moved. <laughs> I'm just saying. I love everybody. You should have moved. I'm claustrophobic a little bit. I didn't come here to sit down and smother her to death. You should have moved. They're pushing Jesus and he's trying to get through. The disciples are trying to make a hole for him. But it's chaos of pushing and pushing. This guy's getting to be a big deal. And all of a sudden he just stops and goes, Whoa! Somebody touched me. <laughs> now I said earlier, you some of y'all are looking for osmosis. Because you think that it doesn't matter about your, your state of mind that Jesus just going to drop osmosis on you. There was probably a thousand people that touched Jesus. But only one stopped him. There was a thousand people that touched Jesus. But one had desperation in the reach. You can touch. You can hang in the crowd. Or you can through the crowd. And you can reach like you've never reached. And you can grab like you've never grabbed. And the word of God says healing virtue flowed from Healing virtue flowed from she turned on the spigot. She turned. When's the last time you turned on the spigot? It's time to turn on the spigot. I wish I brought the duck. My wife likes ducks. And I was going to preach a whole message on this, but I guess now the duck's gone. It's the cutest little thing she bought. It's a duck with a raincoat on. It's cute. It's got a little yellow. It's really good raincoat. A little rubber raincoat. It's cute. To me, it preaches. Duck was made for water. And here this cat is trying to avoid it. You and I are made for war. Take off the raincoat. It's time to turn on the spigot. Put 
down the the, the we call umbrella. Take off the raincoat and just get under the spigot and let it ride. Let it ride. Come on, let it ride. Let the water flow. Let the healing virtue flow. The healers in the house. The deliverers in the house. The saviors in the house. We live in a world of automatic sinks. And you know what? Maybe I'm just got a low IQ. I have a hard time with those things. I've always put my hand under it. It's never working out. You, has anybody else had that trouble? I'm not doing this and doing this. And then I got the other one in there. Has anybody else doing that or just me? That's how we come to church. I bet it better automatically just squirt out on me. You know what God said? I gave you a hand. Turn on the daggone faucet. Turn on the daggone. Reach out there. Turn on the faucet. your job. I just want to go somewhere where they just pour it out over me. Go somewhere where they show you the spigot. Oh, Lord, help us. So the little lady pushed through she wasn't satisfied to hide in the crowd. She wasn't satisfied just to be there. But she knew there was something greater. She was the end of herself. And it was worth taking a chance on. She wanted more. She was willing to take a chance. And it was risky for her. She could have been stoned. She could have been ostracized. But she was willing to take a chance. When was the last time you were willing to take a risk for what Jesus has called you to be about? When was the last time you were willing to take a chance? He took a chance on us. Matthew 14, 22-33. Jesus sent him on a boat. The crowd, there was a crowd, it was a smaller crowd, but I'd send a little boat the size of a pontoon. Twelve's pretty tight. Twelve's pretty tight. We've probably been on there with twelve. With about a 35, what was that engine you used to have in that little boat? 40. I'm sorry, I was ripping him off five horsepower. We had a. Now we were happy to have it. Don't get me wrong, we loved it. It was a. You had that boat, what, 20 years? 30 years, okay. So the boat was a member of the family. And it had 40 horsepower engine. Now, if you've ever been on a pontoon with 40 horsepower engine, that means I could probably, but not now, but at the time I could probably outswim it. If you put 12 people on a pontoon with, 30, with 40 horse, I keep trying to rip them off five horsepower. <laughs> you don't get too far fast. You kind of sit there and wait. Oh, this will be awesome. The breeze, the lake, and our hair, man. The breeze. We put on some Freedom Rock. And the breeze will blow our hair back. And it's like you're just in sweat because you just. <laughs> there ain't no breeze. The only breeze is the wind blows, and you're lucky then. <laughs> they learned something. Get a bigger engine. Some of y'all need to learn something. You're operating on 40 horsepower, and the Word of God says you can have 250, baby. You can have 250. So the disciples were going to 
I'm trying to. Jesus said, go over across the lake. Go to the other side of the lake. And these 12 guys are cramming this little boat. And a storm hits. <laughs> Storms don't happen when it's convenient. The devil never calls you and says, listen, I'm getting ready to cause you to lose your job. I'd like to schedule a good time for you. To do. I, listen, I think we're going to try some cancer. See if that discourages you. Is this a good time? Can we, can we schedule this right now? you got time for a few rounds of chemo radiation and all that other surgeries. How many surgeries you had? A lot. Five. See, let me just say something. Don't think because your leadership don't say a lot about their condition that they don't know what it's like to struggle sometimes. God healed her. And God healed me with you. It didn't happen by osmosis. She had to face lots of diagnoses and doctors telling her it wasn't good. Imaging said we can't operate. Five surgeries, chemo, radiation, and she had to work through every bit of it. Couldn't miss work. God bless her, she didn't have to. I'm here to tell you, everybody goes through stuff. Sometimes you got to push through it. You just can't sit back and hope osmosis takes over. She had to battle. She had to push through the crowd. She had to tear a few roofs off. We as a family, you, we as a church, that we tore. We come here one night. I'll never forget that night. First hour was a, was felt like a, a, a funeral because I just kept hearing the doctor in my head. I couldn't imagine ministry. Without my sister, and I, and I just kept hearing my the doctor when he said, "I mean, I know cancer, cancer, and it's, it's all scary." But when he said she couldn't even operate, I was like, "That's." And so the first hour, it was just like it was this morning because it was sudden. It was this morning feeling. But then collectively, I don't know who said it or what happened, or if just everybody did. I don't know. Everybody started. We had a cry. Now let's celebrate, praise God, because no matter what happens, if He takes her to Jesus that, that through that cancer a year ago. Or if he waits about 50 years and cancer never touches her again, which I believe, no matter what happens, God is good and worthy of our praise anyway. And we will praise him. And we believe 100% that he was going to take care of her, but we praised him, we praised him, we praised him, and it was not conditional praise. It wasn't we're going to praise you in hopes that you heal her. It was we're going to praise you because you're God. And because you're God, we're believing you're going to heal her. But we're just praising you. And if God takes her one day, He will take her one day. We'll praise Him then, praise Him then. And when He out in this place, I don't want an old sad funeral. If you have to cry, get it over with. And let's have a party. Let's have a Just battled, and God just was God. Amen. 
But these 12 cats are on this little boat. The storm hits. It's blowing them to and fro. Scary. Scary when you're not in control. Cancer shows you're not in control. Loss of job shows you're not in control. Divorce, heartbreak, uh, grief, death. There's so many things that happen that show us we're not in control. And it's hard on us because we pretend we are. We, we have this mental trick we play on ourselves. And it helps you sleep better at night. Can I bust your bubble? We had this vision in our high mind we're in control. Because when I turn on the lights, they turn on. If they don't, I'm angry. And when I'm hot, I push a button on the wall and I make it cold. And I'm cold. And, and we, go to, we, we go to a restaurant and they said, 15 minutes for your food. We walked out of there. True. We didn't have it, but we, we did. 15 minutes? That's outrageous. Can't believe the life of them that they think they can make me wait 15 minutes for a moon. Because I want it now. And so we have this image we're in control. But I'm going to tell you something that you need to understand right now. If you're 12 in this room or you're 100 in this room, you need to understand this. You're not in control much. And the sooner you learn that and let that control freak thing go, the happier you're going to be. Because you're just driving yourself crazy. You're just driving yourself crazy. And it also keeps the rebound from happening when you realize you're not in control. Because things will happen in your life that makes you realize, oh wow, I really wasn't in control. You never were in control. Every day you get up is a miracle of God. Every step I take is a miracle of God. If I live to the end of this service today, it's God. Not me. I don't get glory for that. I never was in control. So these men realize they're not in control because the wind and waves are blowing. We're almost done. And all of a sudden they see Jesus coming. Now there's 12 in the crowd. There's 12 in the crowd. And 11 of them sit there and wait for Jesus to come do something for them. That was the crowd. But there was one. There was one. And he looked out there. He didn't say this. I know he mean well. He didn't say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to pray about whether I should go out there with you. Said, so let me think on it a little while. Because he remembered when Jesus told him on that shore, follow me. Do you remember when Jesus told you that? He was real simple, but he was very plain. He just said, follow me. And so Peter looked out there, and we think Peter's amazing, but Peter just took him for his word. Peter looked out there and saw him. So he told me to follow him. Yep. My king's there. It's just tearing the roof off because the king's in the house. My king is out there on that water. Yes. And between me and him, there's waves and there's wind and there's thunder and there's lightning and there's chaos and there's fear and there's possible death and there's possible injury and there's risk and all that's between me and him. Let me tell you what we would have done a lot of this. I'm going to sit here until he tells me something. 
Listen, we'll turn the lights off about one o'clock, one thirty, and we'll see you. We'll see you next week. You'll still be sitting here. I'm not saying Jesus can't show you revelation. He does. But Peter didn't say, I'm waiting for him to tell me something. Yeah, I'm waiting yeah. to hear something. Peter said, that's my king, and i got to get to where he's at. Yeah, yeah. That's my king. Yeah. i got to get to where he's at. Yeah. Now that's risky. Because the crowd was watching him. <laughs> Some of y'all don't like to do, make these little videos, or you don't like to come, come to altars. You don't like, because you're afraid who's watching Oh, and if I mess up, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to say, you couldn't do it. See, you're an idiot. You couldn't do it. And you, we really think that about ourselves sometimes. Peter was taking a chance. Could you make those other 11 if he just took one step ground? They, they, they probably had a funeral where they, they mourned a little bit and they just made fun of him like versusly. I mean, they had made fun of that cat. There's some of that crowd that tore him to pieces. You don't think so? I think some of that crowd would have tore him to pieces. But he didn't care. Because his king was there. Sometimes in life, you've got to be willing to be vulnerable. And you've got to be willing to take a risk. And you've got to be willing to make yourself accountable. Even if it's scary. And so Peter, while the other eleven sat back, stepped out of the boat and he did something that no other mortal human has ever done he walked on water yeah he took his eye off and eventually sunk and it was a lesson but daggone he walked on water you know what I put on my tomb? I put Father Jesus water walker. That's what I put. If I was Peter, I put Father of Jesus water walker. That's what I would put. And I'd be the only grave in the world with that on my tombstone. Because I was the only one willing to step out of the If that's what Jesus is. The actual, the actual little translation. He asked Jesus. He says, Jesus, that's you. Can I come? And, and the literal translation, if you take the literal uh, of what was actually said. But each translation says it differently. But if you translate it literally, Jesus says these three words. I promise you. You look it up. He looks at Peter. Peter says, Jesus, 
I want to do what you're doing. He says, Jesus, I want to come where you are. You want to ask yourself if you need to be about something, whatever it is. James, you want to ask yourself, do I want to be about something, whatever it is. Just answer, ask yourself this question. Is Jesus there? And if he's there, then I ought to be willing to do whatever it takes to try to get to Jesus. Jesus says these three words literally. He says, go for it. Make that up. I'm not making that up. Look it up. His response in the literal translation, he looks at Peter and says, go for it. Jesus is looking for some of you hungry people today. And you're wondering if you can do it. You think you can't. You're scared to death. You say, I'm going to mess up, screw up. I'm just dangerous. I'm just, I'm whatever. And he's just looking at you saying, go for it. I'm here. Go for it. Walk through that storm. Tear down that roof. Push through that crowd. Walk on that water. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. We as a ministry, we're called to leave the crowd. I hate to, I hate to bust your bubble. If you... It, you know, God, when He, when, when He, I've, I've never, I've been a long time, I have shared it. It's been a long time since I shared the story about me being filled with the Holy Spirit. I was alone. And uh, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I know all but one time in the Bible was with the laying of hands, but one time it wasn't, but it wasn't for me. I guess I was the one time. But anyway, in that very time, I promise you, I heard God say, Your road won't be easy, you won't be popular, and people won't like what you say a lot of times, but I need you to do it. Will you do it? I've never done. I mean, I've never preached. I've never spoke. I've never spoke out loud in church. I've never testified. I've never done anything like that before. I've been an usher before, and I was scared to death when I did that. You can believe it or not, I took it seriously. Church, I went to an usher schedule, and if you missed, it was a big deal. I was scared to death. I'd never done anything like that in my life. But God said, "Will you do it?" And they ain't gonna like it. But will you do it anyway? And maybe that's why He chose me. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the prettiest. I don't have the cleanest background. But maybe He knew that I was willing enough, that I was hard, that I was willing to do it when they didn't like me. I was willing to take the rocks. I was willing to take the stones. I was willing to take the Facebook. Balboa says it's not about throwing punches, it's about taking hits and keep going. Yes. It's hard to keep going when you take hits. Amen. Especially when I, I personally, to my knowledge, don't attack anybody. But when you get attacked and you don't attack anybody, it's hard. So why? I ain't never done anything to nobody. I'm not saying everything in my life to anybody, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Now let's not go that far. <laughs> I'm just saying sometimes it's hard. Okay? Sometimes. For all of us. Sometimes you feel that way too, don't you? I'm not the only one to have that syndrome. You all feel that way sometimes, don't you? We as a church have been called to leave the crowd. Because the crowd's inside the four walls. The crowd puts... Four walls of a steeple. And God has called us to tear the steeple off the ceiling. Yeah. Some people don't like that. But if it seals the roof, we'll tear it off. And get into Him. I'm looking for Jesus. 
I ain't looking for your denomination. I ain't looking for your translation. I ain't looking for your Facebook theology, half of which ain't even in the Bible. I ain't looking for it. I'm looking for Jesus, and I'll walk on water, and I'll tear down. How about you? Will you walk on water? Will you push through a crowd? I'm almost done. We'll sit me another me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. I don't know if that's three stooges or Caddyshack. Me, 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 me. It was 81, God. That's a long time ago. And it was by a country singer, a big old guy named, I'll just say it. I don't know what other church is talking about today, so I'll do it. Here you never know if we're going to talk about uh, Calvin or uh, Jimmy Buffett, but this was Jelly Roll. And Will sent me this little video clip. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Blame it on Will. I blamed everything on Will today. Wherever he is, if I can't see. The preaching, the singing, and the Jelly Roll story, all Will. If you don't like the soup, it's Will. Will's awesome. I appreciate my brother Will. And he knows that I'll get something out of that. He might not admit it to share, but he, he knew I'd get something out of it. Jelly Roll said this, this guy, this country singer, he'd been in prison like 10 years. Some of those guys, those country guys, actually, we, we need to reach out to because they, they, that's a couple of them in the Northeast. And I think one of them might have been in our ministry. That's another story. Huh? Yeah, there's some of those churches have reached out. Because some of, well, yeah, that, but some of the actual singers have been. And then uh, the cool thing is Refuge, when it was blowing up, the, this church, this church down there in Nashville that Jelly Roll goes to reached out and said, whatever you're doing, we want to be a part of. We love what you guys are doing. They, they, they kind of want to do something together. And some church called Winston Chapel or something. They want to talk, they want to talk to us. I haven't told you that. But anyway, I don't care about all that. I care about it, but I'm just saying. The guy said this country music singer who had been in prison 10 years in a crude way because he don't know all the right way to say it. He don't know the rules. Thank God for a few people that don't know the rules. Gandhi quote. Gandhi also didn't believe Jesus, but that's another story. But it's the same kind of thing. He said, but he does believe Jesus. He said, he said the problem I got with, the, 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 I love Jesus. He goes, the problem is, the guy you all tell me is Jesus ain't the Bible. Come on. He said, that can't, I, he said, I, I, I read this Bible. And this dude's down in the dirt saving the prostitutes. This dude's rolling with thugs. This dude's riding up. He's, he's stepping. He's going at every person they're trying to beat down and trying to get them up. And he said, then I go to y'all's churches and you all don't want those people building. So basically, he doesn't have the theological skills to say this. He's got other skills. But he doesn't have the theological skills to say it this way. But he's basically saying they're antichrist because Christ came to save the lost. And you're coming to make the lost feel bad. So you are antichrist. You have the spirit. You're operating under the spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist is not six six six. Shout the devil, Motley Crew. That might be demonic. 
Antichrist is a spirit of pretending to be Jesus when you're actually doing the opposite of what Jesus did. That's Antichrist. Get that? That's the spirit of Antichrist. You see, the good news that I've got is this. My Jesus pushed through the crowd. You see how I was telling you about everybody, how we push through the crowd to get to Jesus? We're done. you got to hear this. Because some of you are on the dirt today. Some of you are broken today. Some of you are hurting today. There was a little girl, she didn't have any push left to give. She didn't have any push left to give. She was guilty. She was naked. And she was guilty. Doing really bad things. And the crowd was around her. And they had the rocks. And they were ready to take her out. But I serve Jesus that pushed through the crowd to get to her. You see, I serve the Jesus where there was a woman that pushed through the crowd to get to him. I serve a Jesus where the paraplegic came to the roof. I serve a Jesus that Peter got out of the boat. But I also serve the Jesus that pushed through the crowd of religion, that pushed through the stones, that pushed through the hate, that pushed through the hate. You need to hear this. Some of y'all felt like you stoned. I said earlier, I was acting all pitiful, wasn't I? He put himself between the rock and that girl. Because he pushed through the crowd for you. He pushed through the crowd for you. He pushed through the crowd, James. He pushed through the crowd. The crowd wants to take us out, man. They're out there. Oh, they're out there. They mock and they do their thing. Let them talk. I just want to be with Jesus in the dirt. Between the rock and the one who's hurt. Because that's where Jesus is. And that's where I want to be. Jesus pushed through the crowd too. On the other side of the crowd, it's hard to push through the crowd. Last thing I want to say. For somebody out there who says, I've got problems. You don't understand my problems. I just want to quickly say about my wife going to prison. And this will be hard on her to hear this. She might want to close your ears. But I'm going to be graphic. She, she witnessed. She was visiting her brother in Virginia Beach area. Guy come in a home invasion, killed him, shot him. She was there. She wasn't in the room. So they called her over. She went in. She had to walk through that house. Blood all over the walls. Sudden shock, middle of the night. It's tough. And here she wanted to go to prison. Well, she did not. I don't she wanted to go to prison, but she was being challenged to go to prison. And all she saw when she looked at those guys, can I be real? We gotta look at both sides, guys. Uh, I mean, you gotta be honest now. There's, there's pure, all she saw when she saw those guys is the guy that blew her, shot her brother. It's hard to push through that kind of crap. I know everybody says, I don't want People shouldn't judge me. And we shouldn't. We're, we're about it, man. You know, if you, if you don't know anything about me, you know I'm about prisoners. But sometimes there's barriers. There's pain. She pushed through anyway. She went and she was scared to death to go. The first message, she was there. The guy that looked 
I won't say what affiliation, but you look like the same affiliation as the guy that shot her brother. I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I we didn't ask you. We didn't go and flash nothing. We didn't, you could just see some things. Y'all know who been in on talking about. And that guy came up to her. Somebody needs to hear this. Big tall guy. I'll never forget him. Skinny too. <laughs> Big tall guy. Young. He was bawling. Because she actually had the courage to get up to give a testimony. She stood up in that place. <laughs> For all those men. Back then it was probably 150, 200 men. And that man came up after that altar call. He came to give his life to Jesus. And he walked up to her, crying, pouring, crying. With every kind of affiliated tattoo you could see. Now, I'm not judging nobody about that, by the way. I ain't judging nobody about nothing. But it was scary to her because it was the same thing. And he walked right up to her after coming and accepting Jesus. And he put his arms around her and hugged her crying as much as he could cry. And he said, I'm in here because I did a home invasion. I killed somebody. And I am so sorry. In this moment. For the pain I did to those people. And I see it like I've never seen it because I'm seeing you. He said, I'm so sorry. And I'm so sorry to God. And they sat there and they held each other. And I don't think they want you to hug like that, but they hugged. Because that boy was letting go. But that girl was letting go. And they cried. And they cried. And she's never been scared of going back in there ever again. Because God... I say all that to say... That pushing through your crowd isn't always easy. But what if your purpose is on the other side? What if all the gods we wait on you to do is tear down the roof or reach like you've never reached or step out of your boat on the water or do that thing you fear? God's in this house today and He's saying, just tear it all down and come with me. Go with him like you've never gone. Could I ask you to bow your head? Thank you for being patient. I know I was long-winded. I told you earlier it's more uncomfortable for me up here than you, but some of you will say, not today, Patrick. Keith. Patrick. Yeah, I started to say Patrick. What if today is not another Sunday? What if today you make your mind up? I don't want to just blend into the crowd. And I don't mean glory, self-glory, microphone, hogging. Nothing wrong with sharing with God. Give you something. I'm just saying, I'm not talking about just that. I'm talking about going after Jesus like you've never went after Jesus. What if going past your fears and taking risks and taking a chance and making yourself accountable? What if it's trying things that scare you and you're afraid of that you've never tried before? Or things that remind you of bad things? And he had to push through. <laughs> what, if, what if God is saying today, on the other side of your reach, I've got healing power and virtue ready to flow. I've got power like you've never seen. I've got life-changing stuff for you. 
And I'm waiting for people to tear, through, tear the roof off. Whatever box you put Jesus in today, he's saying tear it off. Is there anybody in this room that says, I want more of Jesus today. I want him like I've never wanted him today. If that's you. That God is telling me that there's more and I want more. And I will push through the things coming against me. I will push through stress. I will push through life. I will push through my shyness. I will push through whatever's holding me back. I will push through. Because I want to see what God's for me. Is there any, what God has for me. Is there anybody in this room that will just raise your hand right now. I won't point you. I won't make you feel bad. But I believe God wants to do things in your life today. I believe God wants to challenge you to do things. I believe God has good things for you, not bad things. This is bad stuff, man. God ain't looking to take nothing away from you. God's looking to give you, man. God's looking to change things. God's looking to know you. He wants to know you. He wants intimacy with you. And sometimes we keep that distance. We keep we, we make a barrier to intimacy. He's saying, come closer. Come closer. Anybody else is God saying, come closer. Come closer. Come closer. Come on, he's calling you. Put your hand up. Come closer. Come on, you know, come on, some of you fighting your hands right now. Why are you fighting your hands? Come closer. Come on, take a risk. Take a risk right now. Come on, you know I'm talking to you. Take a risk right now. You know I'm talking to you. Because it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit, you can feel it. Take a chance. Take a chance. Start to come. If God's going to draw you, just start to come. Keep your hands bowed, just come. If you got your hand up, come. Come, come, get up, come. If you got your hand up, come. If you don't have your hand up, come. If God's calling you, come. Push through. Push through. Push through fear. Come on, push. Push. Push through the doubt. Come on. Tear it up. If there's stuff keeping you from getting there, tear it off. Tear the roof off. Push through the crowd. Step through the storm. You said there's a storm going on. You're a storm walker. You're a water walker. Come on. Come on. I'm going to let this praise man play. If you want to pray, come pray. Man, take a chance on God.